Welcome to the Wealthy in Pajamas podcast, where it's not all about the money, but it's not not about the money. I'm your host, Sonia Highfield, the Wealth Expansion Coach, here to help creatives find their real version of wealth, build profitable businesses, and be happy, healthy humans. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's Wealthy in Pajamas episode. I am so excited to have our guest today and introduce you to this fabulous artist. And um, Alex, thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to read people your intro so that they can yeah, get to know you a little. And then we'll get into our wild, weird, and wealthy conversation. <laughs> Sounds perfect. So Alexandra Adamo is the owner of Alex Makes Art, and she's a leader in creative experiences. She's currently working on an installation for the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and manifesting her insatiable curiosity for the colorful world around her and finding ways to play inside of it. Yes, and, yes, and yes. <laughs> all of the things. And can you tell people a little bit more about like what you actually do in your work? Because it is kind of multifaceted. So give us a little bit more. It is. So it's, it's a really fun and fluid business that takes a whole lot of forms. And the through line is color, play, and community connection. So the way that might show up is in a community event. So I'll give you I'll give you the rundown of my of my month. So so far I have done a really great Valentine's Day shebang for Gay MIT, which was me working with uh, one of the awesome students who are part of the LGBTQ. IA plus club at MIT to create an experience where their student body can show up as they want and have an experience with all sorts of great supplies and walk away, not just being able to mingle and do something with a whole bunch of folks that they might not have met before, but they leave feeling proud and with a great product that I helped curate and coach them through throughout the process. So that can look like a workshop for a specific organization. Maybe it's a block party in a different city or town. Uh, could be celebrating something like, you know, a holiday. Like one of my favorite annual events is an ornament bar where uh, I invite, you know, hundreds of people to come and sort of create from my really goofy and well-curated buffet of, of art supplies. Um, but you know, it's also it's also seasonal work. So when I'm not doing workshops, I might be on Revere Beach doing massive life-size chalk murals to get folks aware and excited about upcoming movies on the beach or the International Sand Sculpting Festival, or perhaps I'm activating a public space permanently. So that could mean going to a site and putting together uh, a custom mural that will go on maybe city benches, uh, Jersey barriers, pianos, something that allow folks in a specific community to take a look around them, appreciate the art, but also be able to be a part of the art. So no matter what I do, I try to allow it to be open-ended enough for people to come on in and 
and enjoy it with me. Yeah, awesome. that is so awesome. Yeah. You know, I think it's so interesting to hear, um, you know, everyone's kind of entrepreneurial journey and how, um, how they end up where they are. So um, I want to ask you about that. But first, I'm going to ask you the question that I've been asking all my guests, um, which is around this idea of wealth, right? So here we use the original definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. But I would love to hear from you. What does wealth mean for you? Yeah. I think if you asked me before pandemic, I would have had a completely different answer. Oh, yeah. It would have probably been financial security and, uh, you know, feeling comfortable. Mm. But post-pandemic life, you know, we're, we're still in the midst of, of being uncomfortable, but I would say wealth to me is flexibility, being mm-hmm. able to choose how I want to spend my time, what types of clients and missions I feel like I align with and having full control over whether I say yes or no to those opportunities is, is well, is wealth to me. Also yeah. being able to work remotely, right. I could and I have taken trips out to places to visit folks that I love or to experiment in different areas and bring this concept to different cities. And I believe that I'm, I'm granted wealth to be able to do that, right? Wealth yeah. of time, wealth in you know, endless creativity and opportunity. So as much as I'd love wealth to reflect in every single account I have, that doesn't mean as much to me as being able to manage my own time and choices. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I love that. Yeah. Flexibility. And I think um, having like ownership of your life in a way, right. Of not feeling, I think that's like the beauty of entrepreneurship, but especially of like creative entrepreneurship is really like, there's so many directions that you get to go in and really being able to say, Hey, I want to go here and try this thing. I want to go over this way and, you know, try this modality, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That is such a gift really to, it, it's a gift and a privilege, you know? Absolutely. And it's nothing I ever, I, I don't know if I anticipated it happening as early as 30. Mm. Uh, it was a, I really thought again before pandemic times that I would have to wait until I was settled and, you know, either in a comfortable place in my family life or in my, you know, retirement stage to be able to have that kind of flexibility. But the truth is it's, it's super uncomfortable to make that leap to be in charge of your own flow. Yeah. Doing it allows you to really break down any sort of barrier you might've had. And, you know, it's, 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 it's wealthy. <laughs> it's pretty fucking awesome. I, I, um, <laughs> I, I really agree. I really agree. So tell people a little bit about, um, how you ended up doing this work that you're doing. And, um, and also like, did you always know that you were going to be a professional artist? Like, was that kind of your trajectory from the start or how did you end up here? Oh yeah. I mean, I've been manifesting art energy from the time I was born (laughs) where, I mean, as, as early as I can remember, I just didn't fit into traditional things that people try out and are good at, right? Like dancing wasn't for me. 
Um, I, you know, I did a little bit of theater when I was a kid and um, there were, there were facets of these things that I thought were really interesting, but there was nothing that gave me the rewards that using my hands to create something that came from me made. And uh, I always dreamt of either being a professional artist or an ice cream woman, which we'll talk about later because <laughs> it's a repeating theme that really comes up a lot in my life. It is still a goal, <laughs> but we'll save that for a little bit later. But, yeah. you know, I, I worked jobs from the time I was super young, like slinging, you know, slinging slushies at the local baseball field to have cash, to be able to fund that into little art sales that would be in addition to my lemonade sales or, you know, at the corner of my like complex that I lived in, um, you know, I, I waitressed and worked a cafe every single weekend in high school because I went to a Catholic high school. I didn't see fit the program that they had. And I was super interested in doing documentary work with cameras. So I was working to be able to pay my way through community college classes after I'd finish up my junior and senior classes, because I just wanted to be in control of what I was learning. And that through line allowed me to have a really fabulous internship in Manhattan from the time I was 19, where I was spot touching photographs for one of my art mentors, Karen Marshall in Chelsea. Oh, wow. Um, In in addition to being at community college all day. um, And then I was able to carry that skill into working alongside Karen at the International Center of Photography for many summers, which turned into fall and winter sessions, um, where I was able to use the facilities in addition to assisting her. So there was always ways while I was working or while I was either working or, or, you know, doing education that I was able to hone this craft and learn on the side, the things that I was passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. That trajectory really led me into you know, continuing education in the arts, taking anything I could get my hands on to learn as many skills as I possibly could, because there was nothing I didn't want to touch, right? Whether it was welding or ceramics or, you know, drawing eggs in a drawing two class on Thursday nights, like I just couldn't feel complete if I wasn't trying something new. Yeah. And uh, it led to private art lessons for almost a decade. And then right before pandemic started, I had started piloting community classes for young kiddos and uh, pandemic really allowed me to rise up, try out a whole bunch of things, figure out what I wanted to keep around and what I was ready to discard. And the place I'm in now where I'm doing these big scale experiences, murals, collaborative creations on sidewalks and in spaces like the museum is absolutely the place that I'd hoped to be in. Um, but that's only the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so um for you, did you receive like messages along the way that it was gonna be cool to be a professional artist, that like it was gonna be a successful career, like you were going to make money or did you receive, like so many people do messages around like, well, you're never going to make money or like, that's not really a job or. I mean, there's, there's been so much naysaying for everything I've ever tried to do. 
Mm-hmm. Even when I felt like I was doing things that were clearly successful, there were always folks in my ear saying, but is this sustainable? And I think being able to play volume control on those types of conversations is essential for entrepreneurial lifestyles. Yeah. There was a time where I just snapped and I was like, actually, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> and I had to believe that myself to be able to get out of that, uh, that, that, you know, that hamster wheel of what other people influence and say, um, growing up in New York and having, you know, being around art, right. There was always, you know, I grew up in a place where there were a lot of, you know, small art galleries. And I had always assumed it was for folks that were aristocratic or retired because that's what I saw. It was hard for me to understand how it was obtainable until I started working around other people who were making it happen in everyday fields, right? Like having friends that do great calligraphy and that leads to personal invitations for weddings or mitzvahs and seeing folks who work in textiles and those become duvet covers that can then get sold to a place like Bed Bath & Beyond, which becomes a massive production and sell point for folks who are working in that type of design work and just seeing how folks made art in a way that partnered or paired with these traditional types of jobs really gave me that light bulb of anything is possible. All of these things need a creative. How could I fit into that? Yeah. Ooh, that's such a good, mm, I feel like that's a really good nugget for artists to say, I have these skills that other people need. Oh, for sure. How can I, yeah. How can I apply it to maybe other industries or other, um, yeah, uh, other things that are maybe more mainstream, but yeah, it's like, palettes. it could be, you know, your fabulous cosmetic palettes. Who's designing those super cute boom box replicas, uh, and, and figuring out the pigments that make that peacock blue. I mean, it's, it's just when you really start to think about art being in everything book design, right? The covers of your book, the images of the author or the illustrator that go into the biographies of this book, billboards you see, you need somebody who has a creative handle to do any of those things. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think that once people unlock that nugget, that's it. The gig is up. (laughs) The potential is unlimited really when you think of it that way. And um, I think that for a lot of art folks, especially for those of us that went to art school and kind of a more traditional, you know, education, there's really a lot of, (laughs) um, there's a lot of kind of like poo-pooing any kind of commercialized art. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember when I was in art school, you know, I was majoring in photography and they said absolutely no pictures of kids, of pets, of, you know, weddings, like they were like, that's not it. We're doing fine art. And that's cool. I love the fine art aspect, but I think it's such a detriment to so many talented folks who are not given that kind of perspective of like, Hey, you can be an artist and make money by applying it to things that yes, are more commercial, but that doesn't mean you're selling your soul. It's all about personal interest. 
if you're interested in doing those things and making those moments shine, and it's it's from your genuine interest, hand, and excitement factor, it's going to rule. And I think that art school, there should be a disclaimer where it's it's not one size fits all in any means. Yeah. And the thing that you major in might just be a skill set that aids in the thing that fires you up and makes you want to create. Mm. And I mean, I yanked myself out of school because I just, I, I hit a place where I don't want to hear it anymore. Right. Because yeah. I realized that institutional critique and criticism meant nothing to me because it wasn't, it didn't feel real. Yeah. I'd rather have these critiques with people outside of this, this, these walls, this classroom and, and talk about things in real terms of like, well, why can't that fit that sidewalk or what would make you want to see this bigger or smaller or, you know, in this space or. Yeah. It, it's, it needs, I think that the accessibility of art needs to be welcome more. It doesn't need to just be a club for the people who are allowed through the doors through admission. Yeah. That system, it, it, it made me snap. Yeah. And I love school and I love learning and I love being around folks. And it's not a contrary to, you know, the system of education itself. It's just, I think there's just so much more for us to explore. Yeah. That yeah. tension doesn't need to exist for success to happen at all. Mm, yeah. We need to be told <laughs> that they shouldn't take pictures of those things. Yeah. If that's what, if that's what's calling them to be made. Yeah. Right. And also like, we have to experiment, right? Like as artists, like we have to experiment, you know, <laughs> like maybe you don't know that you don't love taking photos of dogs and flower crowns until you try it and maybe that ends up being your jam you know totally um, totally and and just because it might be a more fine art class doesn't mean you can't put a fine art spin on those things I mean you could yeah. do a storytelling about what it's like behind the scenes of a wedding you know your documentary piece doesn't have to be the piece that gets commercialized or put in the lookbook for that couple yeah so I don't again I just don't I don't think it's fair to put these these boxes around these yeah topics yeah permission to just do what you freaking want <laughs> yeah yeah right and then if it doesn't work let's talk about why it didn't work and how we can work forward and yeah. and make it a win no. yeah so for you um i mean you sound so confident in what you do and kind of your your philosophy around art and um were you always that way? And also how have you kind of, you know, empowered yourself to be bold and courageous when you're doing things that maybe other people are like, that's weird, or that's going to be too out yeah. there, or that's not like kind of what they think it should do. Like, how, how did you kind of come to that place? And, you know, we're like, we can be confident, but not 100% of the time. And oh, that's sure. fine. But, you know, how, how did you kind of arrive at this place where you're really so clear and grounded and like, this is how I'm working. This is what I'm doing. I'm going yeah. after, you know, I'm going after it. We say practice, right? I mean, practicing and feeling comfortable with the things I'm doing because I've seen how those things 
flounder and how to make them better, right? So Mm -hmm. taking the time to fail, whether it's on a project or whether it's, you know, in a, in a business sense and keeping it moving. I, I really feel like weeding out friends and clients and partners and relationships that don't serve you is a mm. huge reason as to why I feel the way I do. Yeah. I don't have time for the negative chatter. I have time for differences and opinions and, um, you know, disagreements for sure. I don't live in a perfect world, but I surround myself with people that bring really great things to my table. Um, Genuine friendships, people that really want to be here, people that share great ideas. I always go back to this saying, and I I wish I could remember who told me this, but it was so life-changing, right? Where there's these these different tiers of people you have, right? Or or I'm sorry, there's different tiers of people. There's folks that talk about one another. There's people that talk about religion and politics. And then there's folks that talk about ideas and change. And, you know, I remember being in high school and feeling like I had to act or say or laugh about certain things to fit in. And that never felt completely authentic. Hmm. And I realized that religion and politics weren't things that I had space for in my brain. So that was never going to be a conversation that that made its way out of my mouth on a consistent basis, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I really imagined what my life could look like if I took those petty things that people get hung up on and disgruntled about and, and anchored by and really just eliminated this shit out of my life and surrounded by my, uh, surrounded myself by thinkers, by doers, by folks that just don't imagine, but they make shit happen. Um, people that feel the feelings and name the feelings and move past the feelings and support me. And um, I think that my pals and my partner and my family are, are the most treasured pieces of my life. And I think having boundaries around the things that hurt and the things that are hard and knowing how to move past them after they sting you is a really important lesson that I needed to learn to be able to have a more clear path. That yeah. is such an important point. And I loved what you said about um, just really not having time for the negative chatter, because no. I think the thing is that we can be our own worst critics, right? It's like, we can sure. kind of have enough shit that we put ourselves through. And so uh, being brave enough to be like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to take that from anyone else because there is a bigger voice a bigger calling a big a bigger thing here that is guiding me to do what I'm doing and to go after this vision that I have for myself and so I think for so many entrepreneurs like a a lot of times I feel like I get to be the honored person who's like the one person in their corner who's Mm -hmm. like yeah you can do it like you can do what you want like you could you absolutely can and it's just so common for people to I think really get squashed down sure. because of the, you know, like the incorrect <laughs> uh, projections that other people want oh, yeah. to put on oh, yeah. what it's, you're it's not to be, of. right? Yeah. That nonsense is hurtful. I yeah. mean, 
I wish I wish I well, I don't wish I kept a book because I actually don't want to read it or think about <laughs> all the nasty things that people have said to me in passing. But I think that's always been fuel for me. It's mm. like, oh, you don't think I could do this? I'm going to work to to prove you wrong. Yeah. Um, and, but finding and, those people who really do see your vision, see you and are willing to get behind you. And I think that does make all the difference in really like sustaining a oh, yeah. creative business career. Yeah. 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 You're When you surround yourself by leaders, there's no, there's no way you can't rise up with them. When you're around the energy of people doing good stuff, this is another thing. There's so much negative art. There's so many things that are based off of pain, right? Mm. And we all feel pain for sure, but it's how you move away from that and what you want to produce. And once I put my, my life's work into positivity, it follows when you're putting out good things in the world with a genuine heart and a, and a mission that really cares about other people that isn't looking, is looking to be honest, but isn't looking to burn paths and, you know, folks along the way, it really opens up to a good life. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and I'm very intuitive to folks around me and how people operate and, and how people do things. And it's just not healthy to have these evil ways of doing business or cutting corners or severing ties. It just doesn't feel good to anyone. Mm-hmm. So in moving forward in a positive and honest way, it's it's really it's done wonders to my own personal health and wellness, but also I think to the people who work and collaborate and um, get to experience these things along with me. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, So tell people where can they see some of your art? Mm, Good question. Well, May 12th, my biggest piece yet goes up in the Lindy family wing in the Museum of Fine Arts Boston. So that's called From Farm to Craft Table. And it's going to be an absolutely massive woolly installation that I've been working on with uh, about 150 kiddos through the Boston Public School after school um, clubs. So there's 12 different clubs that work along with me. And um, I'm really loving the MFA community. So there's going to be a lot of MFAers who work in that building that I'm also going to be teaching and inviting to work on this piece with me. So this is going to be a tremendous, it's going to be a tremendous celebration. There's going to be a little documentary there and all sorts of really great pieces curated around this piece from farm to craft table. So that's one monumental and big piece that folks can come and see and enjoy. And if they want, I can also meet them there and we can talk about it together. Um, yes, go meet Alex at the museum. It be super fun. Other places you can see my artwork. I have a numerous amount of mural installations in Harvard Square. They are bright, bold, colorful, and often used to block traffic on Sundays. Uh, there's also a really fun sitting area and box of adorable plants that change seasonally in back of Alden and Harlow that I painted. Um, you could see my benches outside of City Hall in Cambridge that have the progressive flag painted on them. Nice. Further down 
in Central Square, I've also painted a row of Jersey barriers that can be found near CCTV. And soon enough, I'm going to be posting about my newest project, which is, uh, it's called A Journey of Taste Through Place Revere, where I'm documenting stories from all of the different restaurant owners in Revere, and I'm working to put a multimedia piece together of it. Oh, so uh, awesome. Yeah, that's going to be a, I'm anticipating it being about a three to five year project. And it's, it's actually the first time I've, picked up a camera since I yanked myself out of school about a decade ago. Oh my and, gosh. Um, I've been learning how to use camera gear and I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of this project. It's, uh, wow. Well, it's, that sounds awesome. And congratulations on all, all of your pieces. Thank you so much. Um, and before we wrap, I would love to talk a little bit about money stuff since we're sure. Yeah. In the Wealthy Pajamas podcast. Yeah. And so I know that so many people who are big hearted creatives and they're yeah. really like, I want to help people. I want to inspire people. I want to do my art. They get really tripped up around charging the money and oh, making sure. enough money. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds like you always had this um, drive to make money. And like, that was just kind of a, a part of who you were was like, yeah, let me get some money here. Let me get some. It's essential. Going. It's essential. Um, to live but, in a city, you have to, you have to have money. Yeah. And so ha was there any kind of like challenge or transformation that you had to go through in order to like figure out how to charge for your art or how to, you know, be bold enough to go after those big grants. Like, yeah. did you struggle at all with like your money mindset in this process of, of being a professional? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the quick answer is hell yeah. It's hard. It's hard to advocate for yourself. I think in any, in any department, and it's even harder to advocate for yourself when you're a single person uh, doing this groundbreaking work that people have a hard time understanding. So have a school background, right? Where I, I worked in an after-school setting for a long time. And in being around kids, you learn that there's so many different types of learners. So my patience level around explaining why things are worth money is huge. If the numbers don't make sense, let's sit down and talk about all of the things that get put into this experience to make it happen. Art, well, this is, this is really, I mean, and I could talk about this endlessly, but this is, I think what really separates me as an entrepreneur versus just an artist or just a sole business owner, right? Yeah. Having to think in both ways is a lot of work and exhausting, but takes practice, skill, and confidence. Being able to say, I'm making this thing and I feel emotional about it, but pulling back and saying, but how can this be valued? Are a lot of people seeing this and experiencing this? Uh, what is the market value for other people doing things like me? Are there people I can reach out and speak to so I can do a quick check-in and say, hey, what you made is really similar to what I made. Would you feel comfortable if we talked about numbers? Because I want to make sure that we're on the same, you know, we're on a similar wavelength here with the work we're kind of, you know, the work we're both propelling and hoping to make income off of. The reality is nobody else is going to advocate for me. And when I realized that 
is when I had that aha moment of, I need to get serious about planning how to pitch prices, Mm. have price menus. I speak to other people in similar businesses and ask, you know, how, how they're generating, how it's feeling. Um, I handle a lot of, a lot of niche merch. So there's a lot of small, you know, there's a lot of retailers in my life that I talk about things like wholesale and markups and, um, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into all this research and that's money. (laughs) And, and with more experience, I've been able to gauge what types of experiences allow me to make the money that feels good in my, in my account, in my bank account. Yeah. So, and then, you know, in hiring folks, I always want to make sure that I'm able to provide fair wages. So that also impacts how I price things because Alex makes art. If I'm doing a 10 tabled event for five hours, that's serving 450 families. Everybody better walk away, not just feeling great, but we better feel supported because that's a hell of a lot of work to propose, plan, merchandise, curate, pack, set up, do, (laughs) break down and debrief about. And laying out those things for folks, again, to the kid, you know, to the kid um, connection, if that means pictures, if that means bulleted lists, you know, if that means mathematical tables, fine. But we're going to make sure that you understand where I'm coming from so we can make a fair assessment. And one of the most powerful things, you know, aiding in what wealth is to me that I've been able to do is say no. Mm. And sometimes that might mean I'm having a rice and beans week with any kind of hot sauce that I can, you know, spice up my meal with. And I'm fucking cool with that because, you know, y- you have to be really firm about these things. Yeah. And you, have to, you have to put your worth first and you have to ask the questions when they're uncomfortable to other folks. Otherwise we can't rise up together. Yes. Oh, amen to all of that. Yeah. Right. And it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm developing a business without a business degree, without finishing art school, um, in a, ven- a very expensive and vulnerable time of my life. And I have to pay my rent in a yeah. city. So all of those factors do nothing but put that chutzpah, <laughs> you know, they, they yeah. put that fire under me and make me, make me need to advocate more for both myself and for my people. Yes. I, I, I love too how we talk about like the whole process that it takes. Yeah. So happy to talk about it. So many people are yeah. like, oh, well, here's the photo or here's, here's the, the pin I made or like, you know, no. it, it's so much more than that. And um, I think it really is so important. Like I'm always telling people like your, your art has to pay for your whole life. Like it's not just to cover the cost of making the painting. You know what I mean? Like it really, totally. it has to cover the whole life. And especially when you are um, bringing other people into it, I love, you know, your, your values there of like paying other people well and yep. sourcing from, you know, vendors that you know and trust and have researched. Absolutely. It's also important. And there's one thing too, that I, um, I'm going to quote myself here. Um, <laughs> yes. I have said, which is, there's a difference between saying um, that's not worth my time 
and my time is worth more. Mm. Right. And so, like you're saying, to say no to things, that's fine if they can't compensate you the way that you need to be compensated. It's not that it's not worthwhile, but it's totally allowed to say, my time is worth more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such an important um, distinction because it's not about, you know, I think people just like can feel bad turning people down or they, you know, okay, what's your budget will fit into whatever it is, but then you end up screwing yourself over because you're not honoring what you actually need. Right. Right. And so learning to say, no, my time is worth more. Um, it's not that what, you know, whatever the venture project is, isn't worthwhile, but I think that really being clear on your own numbers and then, yeah, being just like bold enough to say, here's what I need, or what is your budget? If you're working with, you know, an organization or whatever it is, like it's both uncomfortable to talk about money and it's more uncomfortable to walk away realizing, oh, I actually didn't get paid enough and they had the budget to pay me, yeah. you yeah. know, what, what I really wanted and needed. And I think what I'm starting to learn, right. And it's all trial and error. I mean, with that said, I never, you know, I didn't wake up making X amount of money. I've been an experienced artist and educator for 15 years. And there's, a CV to prove that, but there's also the skill that I bring to an experience. Just like anything else, when you're hiring somebody with knowledge, you feel more comfortable all around and you know that you're putting your hands and your money into something that has rapport and has, you know, you know, has, has that wealth. Yeah. And uh, I just have, I have so many so many things I can be rattling <laughs> off about this. It's, I know it's a, it's a big topic, it's a, it's but a big I, topic. it's a big topic. I, I think it's helpful just for people to hear like, yes, it's uncomfortable and yes, you can still do it. Yes. You can still have the money conversations. Yes. You can still ask for what you need and to even just hold space for other people that you're collaborating with to bring their concerns, their ideas, their, you know, budget to the table and just be able to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, that like that is that's a skill and something again, like you said, it's a practice. Yeah. And and I think it really benefits people to <laughs> to do yeah. that practice. You're doing a service for your people. And I mean, I, I really mean it with my whole heart when I say I love my community of people and I want all of us all of us to succeed. And I I feel like I'm meeting these great people who bring these wonderful things to the table. And it's important for us to elevate each other with knowledge, with experience. And I'm the first person to send somebody their way if it's not a fit for what I need. And I think it's really invigorating to be able to do that and to be able to have this, you know, this great cohort of people who share these vulnerable things, because how the hell are we supposed to know? Right. Yeah. And we're supposed to know these, these things, these numbers, these, there's been so much gatekeeping in the art community. And Mm -hmm. one thing that I have seen lately, as I've been exploring TikTok is that there's all these TikTok. Yeah. There's, um, you know, the content creators on there who've been sharing their monthly, um, income. Love it so much. Yeah. How they make money, their brand partnerships, all that stuff. And 
I think that's so fantastic. Like, I think it's really cool to see people owning, even when like the journey started out at $0 a month at $200 a month. And then they end the year making, you know, maybe 15, $17,000 a month, but they had, they had those low months, they had to build up Uh, and, and there was, you know, dips and, um, yeah, I've just been loving that trend. So I like, and I'll say as a sharer, I don't know if I'm, (laughs) I don't know if I'm bold enough to share that, but it's so true. I, and that's another thing. If, if I, as an entrepreneur, right, I'm going to, going into my fourth official year of business, which is crazy to say, my husband said it to me the other day when he was like, yeah, I have a friend who's starting their journey. And I said, my wife is going in a year four. And I was like, yeah, that's true. It's we're doing it. We're doing it. We're really doing it. But holy shit, if I could have, if somebody would have grabbed my hand before and said, listen, your idea of money is going to change tremendously once you start owning a business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if only I recorded the first few months of how many, you know, if I clocked how many times I threw up <laughs> or just couldn't get out of bed. Cause I was like, I can't believe these expenses I'm laying out for these things, but trusting the roller coaster ride that is business. When yeah. things go down, they're going to have to go up because it's gravity. And it, it it's really hard some months. But if you ask your peers, there's seasons that are slower and there's times where things are great. And one thing I'd love to really emphasize is the power of logging information, whether you use QuickBooks or you are a bullet journaler or you do some sort of tracking in another, in another way that I'm not savvy to, because there's so many apps and being around all these young people, uh, you know, every day I'm amazed at how many cool apps they have to record shit. But truthfully, you know, when you're struggling, look at your numbers, look at your charts, show yourself what happened in that month that made it so high and what happened in those low months. And low doesn't mean failure. Low means find something else to do with your fucking time, right? I mean, the I was having this conversation on the phone with my dad because I'm on an artist stipend right now and it's the first time that I've experienced this. And it's really hard. I mean, it's really fucking hard. Truthfully, the one of the hardest money crunches I've ever had. Mm. But like, let me pull back and periscope on this, this situation, right? I'm working for a museum that's, that I'm going to be showcasing the biggest thing I've ever made in my career at, right? This far at 32, this is going to be the biggest benchmark so far for me. And that's amazing. What is that worth? These times that are so uncomfortable might not match the months that I'm creating and executing a huge program that's reaching 60 families, right? And they're able to do these art lessons and we're able to, you know, have this classroom experience. This might not look like something of the past, but I have to trust in myself that the future is going to be just fine. And sitting and being able to pull back, budget, and take a deep breath during these really hard dips is only going to make those highs that much better. And, and, you know, and it'll feel better, but I I really, it it was really valuable to hear from my dad that having, having little income one month just means that you appreciate the things you do have. Enjoy your house, read some books. You got plenty of them, you know, do your work, keep your head down, cook at home, 
right. say no to as many coffee dates, invite people to come to the porch instead because yeah. things would kick back up again. Yeah, I love that. And I think that is really normal for most so normal. business so normal. owners. And just because you're not seeing, you know, growth after growth after growth financially every month doesn't mean that you're not actually still creating things, creating impact. Totally. And also, like you said, you know, setting yourself up for future opportunities for, you know, like, yeah, I, I think that a lot of times we judge ourselves based on the numbers that we're bringing in. And that can almost detract from acknowledging like the cool things that we're doing and the bigger picture of like, well, why am I doing this? And um, also like, it's just freaking normal. It's just normal to not have, you know, know? consistent every month. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's these, it's their seasons for everything, right? Sometimes you have to work on planting those seeds and harvesting comes later. Yeah. Um, And, and just, and, and ask your friends, right? Anybody who owns a retail shop will tell you, gosh, Christmas was a boom, right? The holidays were crazy. And now it's tax time. (laughs) Now we're gathering all of our W2s, 4s, 1099s, and we're getting ready for, you know, this phase of our business because it's ever changing and it's not always up here. There's peaks yeah. and valleys and that's normal and okay. And if somebody could have grabbed my hands and looked me in the face and said, those are all right. And you'll be all right. I, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have believed them now, but you know, four years later. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So February, February uh, was when I, yeah. So it's been officially four years of owning this business and ah. yeah. And, and the, and the proof is in the proof is in the, is in the data. Yeah. The proof is in the data. Yes. Yeah. I love it. And Track that shit. Track yeah, that shit. look at it. And honestly, like, I think for anyone who has this calling to do whatever it is they're doing, right? Like it's a long-term commitment. And if mm-hmm. I had judged myself based on my income from this business, like I would have given up a long time sure. ago, but sure. there's been something bigger that I knew instinctively, like in my soul, like I knew there were bigger things that I was working towards. And so, um, like you said, taking time for failure and also just allowing yourself to have those ups and downs and like sticking with it. I think that's what I have seen for my own entrepreneur journey is that like, it, it literally has to not just be about the money. Like, yes, that is definitely a big component, but there's, there's just a greater plan. There's a greater like vision that I'm working towards. And some months, you know, what I've created is is awesome connection. Some months it's, you know, that I've inspired other people. Some months it's been that I've learned great things. Like it, I think that it's a tricky thing to balance when of course we all need money. And yep. also if we're in this really for the long term, if we're doing like what we're supposed to be doing, you have to find ways to make it okay within yourself to have those dips and those highs and just be able to value yourself no mm-hmm. matter what's going on in the bank account. Oh, for sure. And take care of yourself, right? I mean, yeah, I love talking about my mental health routine, because it's really important. And 
folks that I admire, right, which it's important for us to have those people we look up to, are always people that are really candid about the stuff in your your, your head, your heart, and your gut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eating healthy and exercising and, you know, having having those therapy sessions, yeah. that, that really healthy cycle for when things are are a little off kilter, being able to have a landing pad is, is really necessary. Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's so important. And what I talk about with so many clients is how are they prioritizing themselves and really taking care of themselves, no matter what. Hmm. And, um, you have you know, to. when, you have especially to. when like you're in your shit, it's the hardest time to like use your tools. Right. And yeah. that's, that's the moment that you need the most. So having those consistent habits and being able to have, you know, support and practices and people that you can fall back on, yep. um, that, that absolutely will help you sustain for yep. sure. And what I really always love to underline about therapy, talk therapy, is that when you build relationships with these providers, mm-hmm. they're able to help pull you out and point to the things that were working that help you climb back up. Yeah. And it's really important to be able to have that podium 45 minutes a week to be able to talk your stuff out and to regroup because it, it can always get better, but there's work that has to be done in order to have that line of consistency. None of this is, none of this is self-made. That's me knowing that those things, you know, that me having a a healthy presence means that I have to do the work to keep myself regulated. Mm, I love that. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's such an important piece. Anytime. (laughs) Truly, you know, truly, because this is is hard shit. This is hard shit. Yeah. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and all your wild and weird and wealthy insights. Um, tell people where they can find you online. Yeah, I love Instagram so much. So please follow along with my stories and updates at Alex makes underscore art on Instagram. I'm also very excited for the, uh, the new and improved Alex that is going to be making its way over the next few months right now. It is a bit of a work in progress, so be kind to it, but it is going to be back and better than ever. I'm also looking to uh, looking to hopefully put together some podcasting and some other really great video footage from my journey with Revere as I work on that documentary piece. And again, from Farm to Craft Table is going to be at the Museum of Fine Arts Boston starting in mid-May 2023. It'll be up for six whole months. Oh, so awesome. Please, yes, I invite you to come and see it, soak it in, talk to me about it. I love a good email. So please, alex at alexmakesart.com is the best way to reach me. And yes, Sonia, this was so great. Thank you for, thanks for talking about the hard stuff that I know people want to know about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for. And we're doing it all in our jammies, which it is. What a a comfortable interview. Yes, good. Well, I, I really appreciate your wisdom that you shared and we'll make sure that all of your links and everything are in show notes so people can find you and connect and maybe come and see your art or make art with Please. you. Or come um, come hang out with me. I'll be on the beach all summer. You could come find okay, me. Okay, perfect. Beach. 
Yeah. And I'll have to come to the opening at the, at the MFA. It'll be so, so awesome. I'd love to have you there. It's, it's going to be a really great time. And last plug is stay tuned for upcoming events that I have. Many of them are public access events. So more than not, they are free to all folks. I really harp on intergenerational community connections. So they are great for all ages, uh, always accessible crafting. And I try to get as niche as possible. So you can learn how to needle felt or do some kind of wacky printmaking or just explore chalk and uh, guerrilla marketing in a new way as we paint the streets with our personalities. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure to follow Alex and I will see y'all next time on Wealthy in Pajamas. Thank you, Sonia. Bye. Hey all, thank you so much for tuning in today. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, share, and leave a review so more people can learn about this work and access their true wealth. And if you'd like to continue your wealth work, please pop onto my email list so you can choose your own wealth adventure, whether that's applying for one-to-one coaching, accessing my DIY content, or staying tuned for upcoming wealth boosting programs. You can find all that at the following link, bit.ly bit.ly slash wealthy pjs pjs bit.ly slash wealthy pjs join me there and let's get wealthy